Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, AKA Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents, put loan officers in the driver's seat, and and I think we're going to have a good one today. We are on with Michael Neff. He is the CEO, founder, all those other alphabet soup words of the Pre-Approve <laughs> Me app. And so I'm excited to have him on. Uh, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. So, so give us a little bit of context about who you are. I mean, you know, I give you give a little bit of the, the background, but tell us a, a little bit about what kind of got you into uh, launching an app and what's got you in the mortgage industry too. Oh, yeah. Good question. Started in the industry in 2005 as a you know, loan officer, just like most people. I got in at a really good time because the broker owner I went to work for was paying salaries for idiots like me to get, you know, their education. It was just obviously a super busy time in the in the mortgage industry. And I went to work for about a year, didn't close a single loan. I worked in their marketing department. I was like printing out fake checks and like making sure they were getting mailed to people. And like now, now knowing what I know, there was a lot of wrongness happening there. Sure. With, uh, from a marketing perspective, but I spent a lot of time learning guidelines and I finally got a loan, talked to a, a dude for about, I don't know, a week. He said, come to my house, pick up the paperwork. It was this $2 million loan because I grew up in California and I'm 22. I look 12. I get in my <laughs> geo prism and I head to his house to pick up the paperwork. He told me to come get I knock on the door. He opens it. He says the word no shuts a door in my face. And I stood there completely clueless as to what just happened. And I knock on the door again. And I just say, Hey, it's Michael, we've been talking, I'm your loan officer. And he says, you're not old enough to cut my lawn. There's no way I'm taking financial advice from you. And I was just like, I had no idea what to do. So I walked away. And there's a 45 minute car ride on the way home where I, I thought to myself, if people don't think I'm old enough to give financial advice, then I can't see any people, right? But I'm committed to this job. So the next day I went to Best Buy and I bought six printer fax or copiers because that was the rage back then. Mm-hmm. It was like the height of technology. And I found a guy on Craigslist to go to my potential clients' houses and do the installations and teach them how to use it. So I would send the, the guy out when I first get a client and say, they're going to set this scanner up for you. They're going to teach you how to use it. And then you can send me the documentation. And they're like, mm-hmm. wow, this is amazing. You know, it's like the best thing that ever happened to them. The best mm-hmm. process mortgage experience, the coolest tech. And at the end of the closing, I would give them a call, thank them for their business and let them know they could keep it. Cause I don't want to pay $30 to have the guy go back out and get it. Right. So now they got a closing gift. I started branding them, right? I started putting like my stickers on them in advance so that they always would remember me. Uh-huh. And that was my first bout with automation where I was just trying to find ways to do my job in a more efficient way as a loan officer. And I approached my business that way from literally loan one until I stopped originating full time in 2015. And I did open a brokerage here like that closed last year, but it was I ran that for about two years. And we always focus on efficiency and making sure that our customers are getting what they need while creating balance in our loan officers' lives. And that's our goal. And I love that. That's uh, I love that story. Did you did you ever go back to that guy that told you no and and say, hey, you know what? Like now I'm a successful dude. Like you know you missed out <laughs> on me. 
No, <laughs> I don't. Uh, he was in. Funny. He lived in Blackhawk. I just know that there's a lot of really rich people there, and you know, I have no interest in. It was probably the best thing that ever happened to me, to be honest, sure. because you know, even before I was a loan officer, I was always an entrepreneur. So I owned an interior design company before that, and my parents are both self-employed. So it's always been sort of my destiny to get out there and, and build something of my own. And that's kind of the beautiful thing about being a loan officer is even if you're working for somebody, you're in charge of your own time, business, what you do with that business, what you do with your time. And so it's just a super cool business to be in, even when it's sure. hard. It's awesome. Yeah, man. There's a lot of cool things that you can do. And I just, right before this one, we were on another podcast and uh, they were talking about like the impact that you can have as a loan officer. And, and there's not very many industries that you can have that sort of impact and, you know, helping people leaving generational wealth, things like that, that you get to do as a loan officer that you don't, again, you don't get to do it in any other industry. Right. And so you, yep. if you can take that and understand that like you are making a big difference in people's lives that's a good why to attach your like, you know, the hard times to, because you know, there's always the ups and downs in the mortgage industry. There's the up, the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. We just, I mean, we just saw one of the highest of the highs, 2020 and 21 and the lowest of the lows in 2022 and, and how people reacted to that. And you can see like the people that are committed to the space and the people that, Hey, it got hard and they all of a sudden disappeared. Right. I, I was talking to someone that said, 270,000 loan officers were licensed last year and 70,000 didn't renew this year. Something, some yeah. number like that, which is incredible. Right. So, so you went, you were loan officer. What, what kind of got you into, you know, doing the, the, the app? Uh, tell us a little oh, bit about yeah. that as well. Right. Like, what does that kind of look yeah. like? Well, so in 2008, when the market really just kind of fell off a cliff, right. 2007, 2008, I moved from California to Oregon. And I actually went to work for my uncle's name was Scott Tuttle. And he was running a mortgage company called American Home Mortgage, which was a REIT, right? A real estate investment trust company, sure. the biggest in the country at that time, a REIT, you know, REIT. And it went, it was the first big boy to fall. But he gave me some very sage advice early on, which was go out and create realtor relationships because those real estate agents have families. They're always going to find a way to, to sell a house. And so if you partner with them, you'll always be able to feed your family. Plus, mm -hmm. the real estate agent represents the product people care about. Right. Like at the end of the day, they don't care about their mortgage. The mortgage gets them into the house that they want. Right. So it's obviously necessary, but he gave me that advice and I started to prospect for realtors. And I did not know what I was doing, but eventually I, I invested a lot of time in learning how to become a marketer. And the barrier to entry to becoming a realtor is fairly low. So most of them, don't necessarily have the background in marketing or understand how to work funnels or how to generate leads or work leads. So I would coach realtors how to market themselves, right? How to work mm -hmm. leads. And that was my sort of get in value proposition for real estate agents. Well, I was pretty successful after a couple of years, I accumulated 20 to 30 really good referral partners and was doing a decent sized business. I was never a big producer because I wanted to spend time with my family. But, you know, we're talking 50 million a year in production. And my goal was to work a lot less. But what I found out was that it was impossible without good systems to work less, especially if 98% of your business is purchase, mm -hmm. if you don't have good support and technology surrounding you. And it was actually, I remember the day very vividly. I was on my first vacation as a new dad. It was in 2010. And we went to Bend, Oregon, and I spent the first day in a Starbucks running payment scenarios, seeing if clients were qualified for particular houses and issuing pre-approval letters. And my wife at the time basically said, like, basically, 
find a new job or fix the problem because you can make money doing anything. And right. you have a family you need to spend time with. And I go, you're right, I do. And so I started to pull apart the process in, of the mortgage and try to figure out what is it that my clients really need? Why are they coming to me for all these things? Like, why am I a bottleneck for their, for their education, for their information, for everything they need? And the one initial problem I identified was that when I qualified somebody, I would send a borrower out there into the wild and I would expect them and I would say, call me anytime if you have questions about what your payment is, to know if you're qualified for a property or to issue or if you need a pre-approval letter. And right. so th those customers would call me and then I would be upset about it, right? Because right now I'm getting pulled away from my family or from my hobbies or whatever, because those calls come on the weekends and evenings. So like a good creative dude, I tried to solve the problem. Okay. And it started with a spreadsheet, which I quickly found out is not a good way to to solve the problem, I would build a spreadsheet with all the customers' financials in it, like their income and debts. And I would email it to them after I qualify and say, use this to run numbers to figure out what your payment is. And then I built a second tab that would produce a pre-approval letter. You know, I mean, it was a pretty complex spreadsheet, actually. Mm -hmm. But as a marketer yourself, you probably know that emails are at the top of their inbox one minute and gone the next. So right. my clients would lose them. They didn't have Excel. So it solved the problem for a small piece, but enough for my clients to validate that there was a solution there. So I did a loan for a guy who um, built mobile apps. So he owned a software company and it was like a contract-based business. And I said, you know that spreadsheet I sent you? Because he was one of the guys who used it. I want to build that into a mobile app. And that's how it started. It was, we were the oh, first wow. industry first system to help customers identify which houses they qualify for in real time based on property taxes and DTI and income and debts, all that stuff. And then to be able to get a pre-approval letter. And that obviously has grown to where now we're a full-fledged transactional management, POS, whatever you want to call it. And But every feature we build in our system is designed to help loan officers maintain balance in their life while giving their customers and realtors the information they need when and where they need it. So you don't have to be a bottleneck. And we do not build something unless it achieves that balance that you need or it drives new revenue in the door. Simple. All right, man, I love that. So pre-approve me started with really just being a way for you to save yourself some time in regards to figuring out if they're approved or not. And so that yeah. was the first, you said that was the very first one. I know there's, there's others out there now. So you were the first oh, yeah. to do that. Oh, they copied me. Yeah. Every one of them. That's okay. I went to a patent attorney. He said it was going to cost 20 grand to try to patent the thing. And then even then there's ways around it, you know? Sure. And so it doesn't really matter. I mean, none of them do it as well as us. But some companies that are in our space do things that are a lot better than we do. And some mm -hmm. depends on what your, you know, your focus is. And what our sure. focus is, has always been, how do we build relationships with realtors and automate the work that comes as a result of those new relationships? Because that was my problem. And I did not want to sell it right away. I was building a branch. I was running a P&L branch for American Pacific Mortgage at the time. And I'm like, this is my silver bullet to take over the marketplace. You sure. know? And then my... A couple of my branch manager friends are like, dude, I need that. And I'm like, how much you pay for it? I was like, I don't know. I'm like, how about 20 bucks a month? And they're like, yeah, easy, no problem. And so like 20 bucks a month. Well, that's a joke. The value was like thousand X that, you know? I, I was going to say, you could easily probably have charged 200 bucks a month and they wouldn't have blinked an eye even then, right? Like even yeah. at the beginning. Well, especially then because there was nothing yeah. like it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you could probably, like you said, charge a thousand bucks a month and they probably would have been yeah. paid it. I mean, because you do a couple of transactions and it's like, it makes it worth it, right? Like now if someone's yeah. closing one deal a month, that might not be fully worth it for them. But, you know, when someone's super busy and they're like a branch manager, 
that's going to save them. I mean, we think about the time and what can you do with the time that you're not spending doing those actions? And I, I love this, this concept that you talked about in terms of, in terms of like finding solutions for that, because I, I think a lot of times loan officers, and maybe we can talk about this next loan officers don't think about their business as a business. Right. And so they yep. don't create systems. And so they're always reactive and they don't have any way to systemize. And so like, great. Like you can make a great income for yourself. But as you mentioned, like you're taking calls on the weekends, you know, picking up at eight, nine o'clock at night, like you're, you know, you're at your kid's soccer game, you're having to pick up a phone call or text or whatever. How do you go about creating those systems? What, what's kind of the mindset or process around doing that? Yeah, my that's a, that's a really good question. And my process always looks something like this. That thing pissed me off. I never want to do that again. So what do I need to do to stop doing that? Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. only a couple ways, right? So if you look at it from a problem solving perspective, the first thing you do is you identify, do I really need to do that in my business? Is this something that matters? Mm-hmm. If it is, fine. Can I automate it? No, can't automate it. Well, let's think about that again. Let's talk to some people and, and ask questions, good questions. Is this something you can automate? Well, my answer to that was yes, so you can automate this. This is something that's solved with technology. If you can't automate it, hire somebody to do it. So is somebody on your team better at that than you are, more willing to do it, You know, happy to do checklist items. Okay. And very last thing is you should do it yourself. So I would go through the process of trying to identify what bracket or what bucket that fit in. And most problems, especially today, can be automated to some extent. The issue is whether you're willing to invest the time, the resources to actually make that happen. Now, there are a lot of vendors and providers out there that can do some of that stuff, but you're still going to have to be a general in your business. And the problem is most loan officers are sitting in the trenches just seeing the wall, just trying to survive, you know, right? They can't, they don't get the drone view where they can see where all the other players are moving and where the problems are starting and how to solve them. So my best advice is that, right? Figure out what bucket it fits in. But the only way to figure it out is to be a general. So step out of your business. You got to step outside of your business and you have to work on it instead of in it. Because if you're right. stuck in it, you're not going to be creative. There's just no way to right, do it. Right, right. You know, and I, and I, I 100% agree. In the moment, it kind of sucks, right? Like, because you have to do these things. But like, what's going to happen is you're going to save yourself all of that time in the future. And I see it the same way. It's like, I'm not a systems oriented person generally, right? Like, I'm just not the type of person that's like, going to want to like, think about the details. I'm very ADHD. I'm, I'm a sales marketing type of person. But I also saw pretty early on in my business, the value of, well, I don't want to do this thing again. So like, I'm also inherently lazy, right? Like, so I'm like, yeah. how do I, how do I do something that either, like you said, automate, delegate, eliminate, right? One of those three things, like, and for me as a marketer, it's like mostly automate and then some delegate, right? Some finding people that can do things, virtual assistants, you know, you can find people at a, at a very low cost. I think that's something that the mortgage industry is very behind in as well is, yep. is using, you know, virtual assistants, people overseas to do some of those daily tasks. Obviously you gotta be careful with compliance. So it might not be some of the things that you're doing, but it could be, Social media stuff could be graphics. It could be things like that that aren't going to get you, you know, in trouble with compliance, but is going to save you time to do more marketing, to do more sales, to do those those actions, and then also creating the systems. I mean, so one of the simplest ways that I've I've learned to do things or systemize things is like I do it once, you know, in a simple way. I, I use something like Asana or Monday or something like that. But a, a very easy way is get a Google Doc, write out like the steps, grab Loom record your step-by-step process, explain what you're doing and give that to someone and they can do it from now on. They can do that process or they can write out the steps too. You could even just do the first step, which is grab loom, record your screen, walk through the steps. And next thing you know, someone else can take that, you know, write out all the steps and also do the steps as well. So, so it's like just doing that though, you have to do that action. You have to be intentional about it. 
Because otherwise, you know, we had, I had people that, hey, I wish I would have kept running, you know, ads with you, you know, during 2020, 21. I'm like, well, how could you, if you were working like 16 hour days, it was like, there's no way that you could do that. Like in retrospect, great. Like, you know, we, we built up a pipeline, all that kind of stuff. But when you don't have the systems in place to, to manage it, you can't escape it. So you got to do it before, like you got to, a lot of times you got to hire before you're ready, things like that. Right. So when do you start to do that kind of stuff? I mean, as a loan officer, like it sounds like you did it right away. When do you oh, yeah. start to hire? When, like, is there like a, a level of loans? Is there like, when do you sort of think that that's the time? I mean, yesterday, you, you know, you do it yeah. right away and there's ways of doing it, right? You got to be creative. So like your buddy, Ryan, he told a great story on, on my podcast last, last mm-hmm. week, which was he, he didn't want to do loans, didn't like doing loans. So he partnered with somebody, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. You're giving something away but you're not doing the work. You can focus on what's best for you in the long term, Right. And so it's the time is now, right? If you, if, if you know your highest value is to go out there and prospect, not do loans, then you should be doing that 100% of the time. Right. Also, coincidentally, you should be doing the thing that fills you the most. So like for me in my business, I am definitely guilty over the last, you know, 10 years and inside of my business of getting stuck in the trenches and you just have to have a reset where you realize, okay, I need to get back into creative mode. I need to focus on the vision of what this is and what problems we're solving. And that's it. And that truly is like from my perspective today, that's my day-to-day life is just talking to a lot of people about their problems. And it is hard. So I enjoy those conversations with loan officers because a lot of times they feel stuck. You know, you're just stuck in the place that you are now. And and it takes an outside perspective to help you identify that you're stuck, you know, and to give you some advice that's enough to get you kind of moving again. And so coaching, in my opinion, is a really valuable thing. So if you mm-hmm. can't bring a te- team member on, I think you should find a coach, you know, because you, you have to change your mindset in order to work successfully with team members. And right. um, coaching can really, really help with that. Yeah. Learning, learning to delegate is probably one of the hardest things, managing people, you know, things like that. And being, and being clear too, because I mean, at least for myself, I'm very much like, you know, give me the the high level view of the task and I'll go figure it out. You know, as you bring people on, you're going to realize that not, well, most people aren't like that, right? Most people aren't just going to say, you know, say, Hey, go, you know, here's the thing that I want you to do, go figure it out. They're going to be like, okay, what do I do here, here, here? What's the step-by-step process as to what you're going to do? So understanding that too high or you will have to create that and you're going to have to learn new skills is going to be pivotal as well. Right. I mean, managing people is very different and also understanding that like, yeah, I mean, we talked about this before we started, but you know, a smaller piece of a bigger pie, right? Like, you know, yep. yeah, sure. Like you could do it all yourself and keep more money in your pocket of the, of the loans that you're funding. But, you know, let's say you bring on an assistant, like maybe all of a sudden you can do five extra loans a month and maybe you're giving up 20% of those loans to your partner or your loan assistant, whatever it is, but you're doing five more loans a month. So you're netting your, your, your net, it's a net positive right there. You're making more money, you're working less hours. Yep. And it's just a, you know, and I think the big thing is you're, you're having to work less hours and not having to be everything for everyone at every moment. And, and you know, it, for people that have families, it's yeah. huge. And that's the simple net, right? The simple net is you close whatever X amount of more deals. And like, you can right. calculate that's 30 grand in your pocket or whatever that number is. But that's not even the net that matters in the long term, right? Because now you've got 10 new referral sources, right. each of them can refer people. If you work the system, right, you ask for referrals, you check in with them, you continue to market them, they come back, you know, four years later, they send you their dad. Right. I mean, it's exponential at that point, but it's a long tail game, right? You're playing a long tail game. And I would say, you know, I talk to hundreds of loan officers a year, if not more. 
Mm-hmm. And most of them are very personable, good salespeople that play a churn and burn game. They just want the next deal. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not going to give you the growth you may or may not want. Now, I'm the opposite, right? I was doing pretty significant amount of business for me, I thought, and I was working 16 hours a day. I wanted to work less and do less. I wanted to do both because I didn't need as much money as I was making and I didn't want to work as much. So at the end of the day, like my perfect fit for me, for my size of team, which was one full-time processor, one marketing assistant, I wanted to do two and a half million a month and I want to work 10 hours a week. Wow. That's what I wanted. And that's what I got. And it was perfect because then I could spend all my time with my family, playing golf, doing what I wanted. And I just had to spend basically two days at the office, you know, for five hours. And that was like building your business by design, as opposed to just sort of like lucking into whatever it is that you built. And I I had to fire a lot of people, fire, fired a lot of realtors. I was like very specific with the realtors I would bring on in the future. And they had to be perfect model matches for me. I, there was one point in time when I wouldn't work with a realtor who didn't play golf because I wanted my business to be my hobby, you know? Right. And so that's a little extreme, but I think you you get the idea. Yeah. I mean, it worked for you. It's, so, yeah, I mean, you talked, you touched on it. It's the transactional mindset that, that people fall in that trap. And so, yeah, they are waiting for the next deal. They don't understand. I mean, and as a marketer, you know, they, people are always looking for that deal that's ready to buy today. Right? Yeah. Anybody who's three or six or 12 months out, those people are in the trash for a lot of people, right? Like they just yeah. aren't, they're tire kickers. Like, no, they're future buyers, right? They're humans yeah. that need help. They might not need help this second, but they need yeah. help. And that is what realtors do so well is people are in their life. They're in their pipeline for six, 12, 24 months and they nurture those people. And yeah, when they're ready, they come to you and they're ready to buy. And that's why loan officers, I think they do get high on that drug of people that are ready to buy today, thinking that that is what the average person is in this transaction. And that's not true. The the average buying cycle for a human, for a a normal person is probably anywhere between eight and 24 months from the time they, the typical buyer's journey, right? That's from the time they, you know what, I I think we should buy a house. Okay. Well, let's start looking at Zillow and let's start looking at these things. And what do I need to do? Okay. Let's start researching what I, how much money I need to put down. Oh, I need 20% down. Oh man, that's a lot of money. Well, let's start saving some money. Like that is the whole decision-making process that a consumer goes through. And yeah, they just so happen to show up in front of you, right? Ready with 20% down and ready to buy a home today, but they've gone through that whole process yeah. and someone, someone nurtured them long enough to do that. Most likely it was a realtor. Maybe, maybe they did it themselves. I mean, these, this day and age, people can find all that information by themselves now, which is yeah. why I think it's so important to get ahead of people, get in front of them early in the process so that you can be that resource. And we talked a little bit about that. I mean, your app can do some of that, right? Like your app is, is, yeah. is good in terms of being able to take people through that whole life cycle, the whole journey. So, so talk a little bit about that, man. Like how does, how does your app work? I mean, in terms of, of helping with that journey and how did you design it in a way that was a little different than, than what others are doing? Yeah. So it was really important to me first to be where your clients are. Mm-hmm. So it became really obvious that the spreadsheet wasn't going to work, that we needed to be an, a mobile app. I walked wow. into a Starbucks and I looked up and not one person who was waiting for coffee wasn't staring at their phone. It became really obvious at that moment. I'm like, this is where my customers are. They're on their phones. Right. And so we built the app. And then what became clear was just kind of like what you described. There's a journey these clients are going through. And it doesn't start with the mortgage because the mortgage is a necessary evil to get them into the house of their dreams or their first starter home. Right. I mean, whatever it is, it's the house that matters. And just like any consumable or any product, you're going to be researching it. You're going to be educating it yourself. You're going to be identifying your needs and talking to your spouse. And it doesn't happen over the coffee table in one day. It's a long process. 
So when we built the app, it was really important for us to understand that your clients are going to, their needs are going to change throughout time. And so just as an example, if they happen to go to your website to research something, and you had a mobile app that had tools, videos, technology embedded into it to help foster and build that educational process for the customer. A realtor could send it to them, you could send it to them, but the, the interface and the tool they're using right now could be completely tailor-made for that person. It could be designed for a veteran who clicked on a form on your website that's VA, right? That they say they're a veteran. And the, all the resources in it could be designed for that veteran. It could be designed for a first-time home buyer, right? Somebody who needs credit repair. It can sure. be designed for whatever. We are our platform, which is the only we're the only one in the industry who does this, is we deliver content based on the customer's position in the journey. So they start here as first-time home buyers. They apply with you using the mobile app or using the normal loan application, depending on how they get it. They get pre-approved, and now our system transforms into a system that keeps your client from getting sucked into Zillow and sold as a lead to somebody else. Okay. Because we're going to answer the questions they care about. What's my payment? Uh, Do I qualify for this home? I'm looking at on Zillow and can I get a pre-approval letter? Right. Once they're in the transaction, we're helping manage conditions. We're helping send loan status updates. We're we're allowing you to connect to your loan officer and mortgage team through messaging directly through the system. And then once they close, the thing can convert to manage closings. So we integrate with some really good partners like HomeBot, HomeIQ, and your mobile app, which is completely white label, can be converted into a home ownership management system. Love it. And so they start, manage, and end their journey inside of your mobile app. And that's what we do, which is so unique. And why I say like we're a marketing point of sale, because creating a captive customer is really important today because there's so many people outside vying for your borrower's attention. Yep. And really good marketers like you, Luke, are trying to capture that customer, you know, and we don't want no offense, but like, it's my job to protect loan officers from you, right? right? Because they've already cultivated the lead, maybe the lead that they're, they're managing in our system started with you, right? Right. Started with your leads, but we want to stop them from another Luke souping in and grabbing them. Yeah. Or, or, you know, the, uh, people that were buying credit triggers or, you know, things like that too. Right. I mean, there's, yep. there's all slew of things, or maybe they go and opt in on a different site, right? Like, and they could do the same thing, right? Like, you know, they just don't realize sometimes the consumer doesn't know a lot of times what they're doing. No, and so it is, it is important to, to protect them. So how, how do you, how do you, is it based off like the questions that, that they answer in the application process that you're able to gear it that way? Like you talked about maybe having like a, Hey, if they're a veteran, you're going to have like something that's specific to them. Is that based off of them selecting that? Yes, I am a veteran. I'm part of the military or how, do, how are you kind of getting that information so that you can feed them the correct information? Well, I mean, it, it, a lot, especially early stage top of funnel stuff, it's going to likely just be like about building trust in your brand gotcha. with the consumer because gotcha. you don't really know enough, right? Maybe they hit your website and they said like, let's get this mobile app or they walked into an open house and a realtor shared it with them. At that point in time, you're talking to a blank slate. Sure. So what we're coaching most of the time is the content you should be providing is content to help you build a relationship with the customer and build trust. So mm-hmm. testimonials are really high value, Sure. right? Video testimonials even better. Why your mortgage company is the best, your background, your bio, put personal stuff in there. Tell them about your family, you know, 
because we don't want you to be a commodity. We want you to be a, a person that they can trust. And sure. so, you know, basically what you do is you pull the resources from other places to help build that trust. And then once they actually apply for the mortgage, you've got enough information to sort of classify where does this person belong, right? Gotcha. They said they're a veteran. They need our our mobile app that talks about VA loans. A lot of people, especially in the VA side, they're only doing like lead generation from veterans. Like right? that's sure, sure, sure. And yep. so in that case, it gets a little bit easier, but yeah. Cause you already know. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of that's just customizable that they can, they can do there in the, in the app themselves is customized. And we talk about this even when using, when talking about like social media, like if you're posting on social media, like less about business and more about who you are as a person. So I, I love that you're, you're even using that for that app because I mean, it, I guess at the end of the day, this is human psychology and people like to do business with yep. people that they know, like, and trust, but also that are similar to them. Right. So if you don't share that stuff, they don't know. Um, the, the other thing that I liked that we talked about was you talked about bottlenecks. We talked about this before with process and things like that. One of the things that we find when dealing with lead generation is the first bottleneck is just getting them in contact. Second bottleneck is getting the application. Then the third part is docs back. Right. So part of it is most people don't have a great system to get docs back. They don't have it systemized. It's not easy. Um, sounds yeah. like based off of what we talked about, you have a fairly simple way of doing that where it's like fairly easy. Is there, what, what does yeah. that sort of look like in terms of, of doc collection? Um, is there follow-ups in place? What, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, great question. So we start the process of setting expectations about documentation early, right? right. And I think any successful transaction is all about the expectations of your customer. 100%. And so when when a borrower applies through our system, through our loan application, we're looking at the data in the application to identify what kinds of documentation should we ask this customer for. And it's all customizable, but essentially we have this thing in the system called a conditions engine. And it basically allows you to write this very simple algorithm. If this, then that. So if they say they're a veteran, then ask for these documents. Love it. If they say they're self-employed, ask for these documents. Now, the thing that's challenging for a lot of people is, especially if you're building a process as a business owner, it's difficult to understand the best way to communicate your documentation needs to your customer. Some people are comfortable on the phone. Some people like computers. Some people want to drop it off at your office. Some people want to fax it to you. It's very challenging to know. And you definitely can't scale anything where like you have to remember they like text messages. They like computer. They like mobile app. They like, you know. Right. So what we've done is we built a system that I call the choose your own adventure mortgage condition nice. system which is, I don't know, you're, I don't know how old you are, but when I was a kid, I used to read books. And at the end of the chapter, you had to make a decision. Do you jump down the yep. well to save your dog or do you go to get your dog, for, your dad for help? Right. Right. Yep. And so your clients are the same way. Some of them want to use the computer for everything. Some of them want to use their phone. It doesn't matter. You're as a, as a loan officer, as a team, you're requesting the conditions through one portal. We are going to send that information out to wherever your clients are. So if they're on their phone, fine. They're managing through email, that's fine. One click and they're submitting docs. If they're doing it through a computer interface, that's fine too. And so we make we let them make the decision. And I think what happens then is your clients no longer come back to you and go, I didn't know because you sent an email three days ago. And again, that email's buried. And I'd say right. most loan officers today rely on email to communicate a list of right. conditions. Sure. Impossible to stay on top of it. And it's wrong. That list is incorrect the minute they send you one document. So what happens in our system is when they get the email or they go to the mobile app, they're going to see an active list of conditions. They can click a link in the email. It takes them to the 
a borrower version of the same system the loan officer is using and the same system the processor uses. And that processor and loan officer are giving feedback in mm -hmm. their side of it, which immediately updates on the borrower side. So we're accepting, we're rejecting a condition, we're leaving the reasons why, we're setting due dates, we're updating and adding reminders. So the client's gonna get reminded every three days until these are satisfied. And so all of that is sort of built into our system and designed to empower those customers with active up-to-date information while taking as little work from your actual mortgage, your team, your operations team as possible. I love it. It's it's funny because we we talk about this just even in the lead communications side. It's like talk, like speak to them on the medium that they're using. If they're texting you, don't just pick up the phone and call them right away. Like, yep. yes, we we all know that as salespeople, our preferred medium is the phone, right? Like then yep. that's ultimately what we're trying to drive them to is the phone, right? But we still need to start the conversation where they are, right? People, some people are comfortable texting, like you said. So I love the fact that you have every single basically avenue. And and, and I see so many times people make it so hard for people to get them what they want. And yeah. when they do that, it's like, okay, well, you're, you're going to lose the opportunity or these people are going to drag their feet and then you're going to complain. But at the end of the day, that's your fault, right? Yeah, totally. I think one thing we see a lot of times for loan officers is they're constantly playing defense in their business. Mm -hmm. You know, they're waiting, they're waiting for the trash can fire. They're waiting for something to happen for a problem for they're reacting to things as opposed to like putting systems in place to be proactive. Sure. And if you're building a business, right, the one, the kind of business you want and like maybe you're ideal mortgage business is not mine, right? Maybe you want to work full-time and earn a million dollars a year right. instead of 10 hours and earn 300,000 or whatever it is. And so when you're building a business like that, you have to play offense, which means get into your customer's head, figure out any communication I send is going to have, there's going to be a reaction from that customer as a result of it. If I ask you for, if I send you an update, let's say I send you a loan status update that says we ordered your appraisal today. Okay. That client, you know, anyone who's listening to this call can probably list five questions that borrower is going to come back and ask you, when right. is it going to come back? What happens if it's undervalued? Do I need to be there for the inspection? You know, what happens if repairs are needed? There's a million questions that can come as a result of that. So if you've got a system that's sending out an update and it's going to return questions to you, you need to rebuild it because you know the questions. And if you don't, now it's time to start taking notes, right? You take notes right. about what questions they have and then change your email template, re-record the video that delivers the information to get in front of that so that you're communicating on a one-to-many strategy and not having to mm -hmm. deal with those questions coming in. And yeah, so systems like ours can help you do that because you're able to customize all of it, you know? So do you have like a, like a bomb bomb sort of functionality where they have the the opportunity to create like an evergreen video that they can just have there in conditions? Or is that something that you're just talking about more so in like sending an email? We don't host any videos like bomb bomb gotcha. does, okay. right? But you can embed a, a video, attach it to a thumbnail, a picture, you know, sure. which is essentially the same thing. Right. And they would click the link, watch the video. And hopefully that video addresses all their questions sure, so I that gotcha. they don't have to call you or email you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. That, that makes sense. And you know, that's why video is so powerful because I mean, again, like you can do that one to many thing that you talked about is like YouTube or bomb bomb or those things. It's like, you can start to create a bank of frequently asked questions in video form and just, all right, cool. Now I'm just going to shoot this off. Are you got that question? Oh, here's a video. Here's a resource that I created. And it's something that we teach our team as well. It's like, Hey, if someone asks a question, I guarantee you someone else has that same question. Record it, record a loom video. And next time someone asks that question, send it to them. Right? Like I love loom. You, yeah, you got to do it so one good. time. 
yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, great software. Um, so super, it's free up till five minutes. So like, if you're, if you're, if you're listening to this and you don't want to buy another software, you can try it for free and it'll record your screen for up to five minutes for free for, I don't know how many videos you can do, but yeah, you can try it for free pretty much, which is really cool. So, um, just to kind of like close things out here, if you were to become a loan officer again, if you were to go back to like to originating full time, like in a market like today, what would you go out there and do today to get more business in regards mm-hmm. to just getting business, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of value to the old adage. There's riches in the niches. Mm. And so for me, like I actually somewhat did this two years ago and I never really fully committed to it because I'm running several other companies, but I did open sure. a brokerage two years ago. And I kind of went through the process the same way I did with before, which was instead of golf, right? My passion now is mountain biking because my family mountain bikes. So I'm like big time into the biking scene. You see a helmet. I saw saw the helmet. I was going to ask about that, but uh, yeah, I've got. I actually have a mountain bike podcast, so that's that's what that is. My background. (laughs) I love it. Love it. So, but what I did was I hired somebody on Fiverr through Fiverr, actually through Upwork, to go through. I got a list of names from all the realtors and the tri-county area that I wanted to, you know, that were in here. I said, I need you to, from this list, identify anyone who mountain bikes. And they did, right? I mean, I was, I gave specific instructions. I recorded some Loom videos to show how you might research it. I found a couple myself that did. And then I gave that as instructions to, like you suggested, Luke, to um, the, the contractor. And then he mm-hmm. came back with a list of about 125 people in my marketplace that had some tie to mountain biking. I also on the spreadsheet had them rate sort of like how prominently that was displayed either on their social media pages, on their website, if they looked up race results, whatever, whatever. And for mountain biking, it's pretty niche, real niche, right? But I didn't want to do a ton of loans. So I was not that worried about it. On the golf side, if you're a golfer, that is super easy. I did this with golf and like there's handicaps and people at events and you can find golfers for sure. But then what I started doing is I started, I picked up the phone. I started calling people and I said, Hey, I'm Mike. I own a company called Renegade Home Mortgage. And I'm just reaching out to realtors in the area who enjoy mountain biking. I thought maybe it'd be fun to get together for a ride. And I would, I go on a ride with them. Man, so awesome. And, and that's it. And so I, and so then my work was about my passion and I would get to tell my wife, I'm going to go work. And she sees me wheeling my bike out. Right. I'm going to <laughs> go my bike. I thought you're going to go work. Yeah. I'm going to ride with some realtors. <laughs> and then we talk strategy, right? We talk, love it. You know, lead generation, lead conversion funnels. We do all the normal stuff. It wasn't about that. And a lot of times the first ride was about building a relationship, but sure, it is easy to build friendships with people who enjoy what you enjoy and that trust you. And the only way to do that is spend a significant amount of time with them. Man, that might be the first time I've heard that advice. And it's, really cool because I mean, you know, we, we teach our people like, you know, you have to have some sort of value, right. You know, can you give them a referral? Can you give them leads? Can you, you know, do a class for them? But like, I mean, this is a different sort of value. It's like, Hey man, I ride a bike. Like I have a, if you can see, I have a little disc golf uh, basket in the background here. So I love to go disc golfing. So it'd be cool to like call up anybody who plays disc golf and and find, uh, you know, just, uh, this can be a little more niche than, uh, than regular golf. But yeah, if you're a golfer, I'm sure everybody does golf. I mean, you know, especially in this industry, everybody, I swear everybody golfs. Um, mm-hmm. And I've never heard that, but that's a perfect foot in the door versus like, Hey, did you have fun over the weekend? Like, what did you do? Did you play? Yeah. Um, it's like, no, like, Hey, I just want to, I just want to hang out and not get coffee. Yeah. I actually want to go bike or I want to go, you know, hike yeah. or I want to go, whatever it is that that's a pretty cool. Uh, and I love it. I love it. That's yeah. a really it, cool. 
thing to it's leave niche, but man, I mean, think about your business, right? How many good referral partners do you need to build the business you want? And for Not me, like the perfect number was like 10, Yeah, you know, and those, those referral partners, because they were friendships, they respected my time. They would not call me on the weekends unless it was emergency. They would not call me in the evenings. And it's perfect. It's the way we wanted it, you know, and, and they had a vested, they had a vested interest in my success and I had a vested interest in their success because we were friends. Sure. And I think that's the best basis. One thing I always notice is your friends will always do loans with you. Always. Your family won't. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 Which is, which you may know? be okay, to be honest. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I just, yeah. I don't know if you want to deal your family members loans. <laughs> right. And they're going right. to ask you for a discount or something crazy. So that's, that's right. pretty funny. Yeah. Um, no. So I appreciate everything uh, that, that we shared today. I mean, I, I like the idea that like, even, even when you first got started, you were doing things that, you know, things that we're teaching, like, you know, talking to them about marketing and funnels and, you know, lead generation, how to convert leads. Those are all things that we you know generally teach people now. And so you were doing that, yeah. like, you know, years before that's kind of like the new end thing. We talk about going direct to the consumer and I'm having more and more conversations with loan officers. Like, man, I really, I really want to do that. but wanting to do it for years. Uh, you did that early. I mean, you did it with the fax machine or the scanner or whatever. That was pretty, man. So there's some cool things you can get from here, guys. Like make it easy for people to give you money at the end of the day. It'll make it easy for people to submit deals to you. So um, where, if someone wanted to connect with you online, where could someone find you, learn a little bit more about you, your business? Yeah, I mean, you can always go to our website, you know, preapprovemeapp.com. That's preapprovemeapp.com. Email me, michael at preapprovemeapp.com. Hit me on LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm an open book. I'm available. Our goal is to help a thousand loan officers earn a million dollars. That's like as a software yeah. company, we want to, that's our sort of vision. And, you know, the only way we do that is by building systems that really help automate, system, systematize, and produ- provide opportunities for production. And we didn't talk about it, but our system is absolutely amazing when it comes to creating realtor relationships. And mm. we can dive into that another time. Sure. Yeah. That's probably another 30 to 45 to an hour minute conversation. Right. So for sure an hour minute, I just said a 60 minute, I don't know what I'm saying, but uh, appreciate (laughs) your, your time. This was an amazing uh, conversation and, you know, we took it down roads that maybe I didn't expect uh, when talking to a software software type guy, but I love the idea of all those other mortgage tips, man. If you guys are listening to this, like think outside the box when it comes to, to that. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast was to help loan officers find ways that they can go get more business from realtors. So using an app like, uh, you know, pre-approve me, but just being creative, like how can you go out there and find business in a way that's different than everybody else? How do you sound different than everybody else? I mean, and even, even if you don't have anything that's valuable, if you're just getting started, like, okay, well, what's your passion? Go talk to people that have that same passion. You're going to get your foot in the door, man. I really love that idea because again, I think so many loan officers freeze when they want to call real estate agents. Cause like, what do I talk about? What am I going to do? What's like my value? And if you haven't defined a true value, you should, but if you don't like it's, I mean, your, your avenue is like, so such a perfect opportunity to just have a conversation about something that's not loans. Yep. So thanks, man. Luke. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for everybody who's listening, if you are interested in learning how we can help you flip the status quo on real estate agents, go to flip the status quo.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the loans on demand podcast on loans on demand podcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.